0: This is the Breezeway. Hello, and welcome to the Breezeway. I'm your host, professor, writer, and part-time astronaut. Question mark Will Nevin, and I was officially the last white man without a podcast until today. On today's pilot episode of The Breezeway, we're going to talk about the latest demoralizing tweet from Sean Gordon Murphy. My take that Donald John Trump is not funny. And we'll go into my interview archives for a chat with author and all-around swell guy, Elliot Rahal. But first, why? What's the point? Why another podcast? Why me with another podcast? Well, a few reasons. First, I got tired of not getting enough podcast guest invites. My ego just couldn't take it anymore. Second, I wanted a spot to talk about comics and stuff other than comics. And that's really the central thrust here. The Breezeway is a loving homage slash shameless ripoff of Deadspin's concourse. May it rest in peace. Like much of the rest of the internet, I loved Deadspin, its voice, its willingness to take on everything, and the hill it so righteously died on. Because comics is not just comics. Comics is culture and politics and how we relate to one another. Comics is industry. Comics is art. And so I will not be sticking to comics. First, because this is my show, and fuck you. And second, because it's it's important to talk about the things that are important. We will, however, begin each show with comics because something has to hold this thing together. And today, we'll start with artist and writer Sean Gordon Murphy, the man behind the Murphyverse, or whatever the fuck we're calling the White Knight universe, announcing December 2nd on Twitter that he had begun work on a third volume of his series, Batman Beyond the White Knight. My only question was why? And it's a stupid fucking question because I know the answer itself his book, sells. However, it is trite, nonsensical garbage that sells, which is really the thing that I don't understand. I wrote a big old review at WMQ Comics, a thing that you're going to be hearing a lot about today, Um, and I got most of this bile out of my system, but it's still a thing I have to talk about because the book is bad. Real bad. It really is. Whenever I talk about it on Twitter, people crawl into my mentions and into my DMs to tell me how bad it is. Like, we can't say those things in public because we can't acknowledge this book's crappiness as a comics community because, one, I think Murphy has a lot of creator friends, and, two, the book sells, which, that's all that matters because DC Comics is a zombie content farm for Warner Brothers. But, friends, the book... This shit. Stinky shit. In my review, I called it the Ready Player One of Batman books, and that's probably the meanest thing I've said about anything ever. It's terrible. The plot is nothing that Frank Miller hasn't already done, and the micro-story beats just insult your intelligence. Uh, the thing, the one thing that gets across how bad this book is, in my mind, uh, this big climactic set piece of the White Knight. It's supposed to be this big, serious moment with half of Gotham riding in to save the day. However, all of these heroes, uh, Gotham PD, uh, Batgirl, Nightwing, etc., all of these heroes, they, they, they do it riding in on different Batmobiles. And it's literally... Uh, the Batman 66, the 89, the Tumblr. Literally, they are on the same page. Those three Batmobiles occupying the same space. So we take a moment that's supposed to have stakes and meaning. Again, it's the climax of the first volume. And we turn it into nonsensical fan service. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. And yet people keep buying it, which means that it keeps getting made. Why they buy it, I don't know. Maybe they can't be bothered to read a good Elseworlds story, or literally any other Batman book ever published. But my theory is that people like the uh, the Murphyverse for the same reason they like the Zack Snyder DC movies. It's the illusion of substance. Snyder and Murphy both see themselves as big thinkers, idea guys who are telling the real stories. But what they're really doing is missing the fucking point. Superman is not grim dark, and a Batman story has to be more than fan service. But as long as we have these galaxy brained creators with those off the mark takes, they're going to find fans. The same fans who want to feel smart and feel like they're consuming something of substance when all they have is empty performative garbage. So fuck that stupid fucking book. The last volume, the current volume, which I'm sure that I will hate read because, you know, I don't have enough to do in my life and fuck the third volume. Whenever that comes out. (sighs) Up next, after the break, Donald Trump is not funny. Hi, friends. Will Nevin here for Wednesday morning quarterback comics? Do you like reading comics? But do you have trouble having opinions about them? Do you do you want other people to to think about comics for you? Well, friend, we have the place for you. Come on over. To the friendless side of comics. Come on over to WMQComics.com.
1: We'll be waiting.
0: Welcome back to the pilot episode of The Breezeway, a comics and more podcast that hasn't been canceled yet. Our B-Block opens with a theme for All Elite Wrestling's Hangman Adam Page because this is the segment where I get back on my bullshit and back on my horse. This week's bullshit is perhaps a provocative statement. Donald John Trump is not funny. His middle name is funny. His hair is stupid, yes. His accent is terrible. His voice sounds like his teeth are trying to escape his mouth. He is a toddler's id come to life and put in charge of a nuclear arsenal. But he's not funny. SNL. God bless them. They try. Each week, Alec Baldwin saunters in, does his impression with the material they give him, and some weeks it works better than others. I actually liked it a couple of weeks ago when he played a, a straight man in the chaos of insanity of his own supporters at one of his rallies. Donald Trump as a straight man is good fucking comedy. But last week, last week when they opened with this riff on a high school bullying at the set at the NATO cafeteria, it just didn't have it. You know, the ultimate punchline is funny because jokes about Melania's anti-bullying crusade will always get laughed, but it just took too long to get there. Like most SNL skits. But yeah, world leaders making fun of Donald Trump? Inconceivable, I say. Inconceivable. But Donald Trump is not funny for a couple of reasons. First, his policies are incredibly cruel. His administration's latest push to clear the food stamp rolls is cruelty that borders on depravity. The ghouls, in this administration, are making it harder to waive employment requirements for able-bodied recipients without dependents, which may result in 700,000 people losing their benefits. Think of it. 700,000 people told that because they can't get work, they're going to lose their meager SNAP benefits. It's cruel, and that's the only word for it. Donald Trump is also not funny because we are absolutely beyond satire at this point. I'm gonna play for you the real, actual quote that's been going around on social media. Here is the President of the United States on
2: faucets, showers, and toilets. I have a situation where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where uh, you turn the faucet on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you could never handle it, and you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. They end up using more water. So EPA is looking at that very strongly, at my suggestion. Uh, You go into a new building or a new house or a new home and they have standards on where you don't get water. You can't can't wash your hands practically. There's so little water comes out of the faucet. And the end result is you leave the faucet on and it takes you much longer to wash your hands. You end up using the same amount of water. So we're looking at uh, very seriously at opening up the standard and uh, there may be some areas where we'll go the other route, desert areas, but for the most part, you have many states where they have so much water that it comes down, it's called rain, <laughs> that they don't know they don't know what to do with it. So we're gonna be opening up that, I, I believe, and we're looking at uh, changing the standards very soon. And that's a little bit like the light bulb, where you get a bulb that's better for much less money, we go back, but you have the other alternative. And you'll keep the other alternative with sinks and showers, et cetera, too. But that's been a big problem.
0: That's the president of the United States. One of the most powerful people on the planet spouting absolutely 100% nonsense. Like it is literal fact. And yeah, he's got all of his usual shit. The people tell me we're looking at it. All of his weasel words to hide the fact that it's not actual literal truth. But the truth is and this is the truth of where we are at right now as a country, as a people, we cannot trust the President of the United States of America to live in our reality. And that's not funny. That's scary as shit. And that's this week's bullshit. Coming up! My archival interview with Arthur creator, and all-around nice guy, Elliot Rahal. More on the Breezeway when we come back. Welcome back to the pilot episode of The Breezeway. This is our C-block. In the C-block today, we have an archival interview with creator Elliot Rahal from 2016. At the time, I was working, air quotes there, uh, working for uh, Alabama Media Group, uh, which is my local branch of Advance Media, which is an outlet that owns a bunch of newspapers across the country. It's uh, how I got started in the comics journalism business, um, how I also wrote for the Oregonian um, out in Portland, again also owned by Advance. But uh, the people who I was working with at the time, uh, my editor as it were, he was friends with uh, a guy I wasn't familiar with, guy I had never heard of before, and my editor says to me, hey, I got a friend who does comics. How about you talk to him? And I was like, sure, why not? That man was Elliot Rahal, and again, this is, this is just more than three years ago now. In that first interview, I could tell he was genuine, relatable, affable, so many ubbels. And it was a real pleasure to talk to him. And I've talked to him a couple of times since then. And it's been a real pleasure uh, to both uh, get to know him... um, as an individual, as just a sweet guy, and to watch uh, him grow as a creator. In this interview you're about to listen to, uh, for the most part, we talk uh, The Paybacks, uh, which is a book he began with uh, Donny Cates. But we also talk about uh, The Doorman, which is a, which, which is a fun series. But then we also talk about his his love for comics how he got started in of a business as it were and then just sort of his life and and how he got to where he is and some of his pursuits and interests outside of comics it is a fascinating time capsule i think um uh, to again reflect on this interview uh with a guy who was just doing some of the best work around um you know, Midnight Vista, Hot Lunch Special, some of the best books out there. And again, he is just such, such a nice guy. And it's been a real pleasure, uh, as I said, to get to know him. So again, uh, this is Elliot
3: Rahal from 2016.
0: So I thought we'd talk a little bit about your background generally, and then uh, kind of your work in comics, and then we'll move on to a couple of your books. Sounds good? Sure thing, man. Uh, so I know you're in Minneapolis now. Where are you from originally?
1: I'm from Chicago, the Chicagoland area. Um, I grew up in the suburbs, and I lived in the city for about eight years or so uh, in college and after college. And then uh, I lived in New York, and I moved back to New York, to Chicago, and then I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and now I live in Minneapolis.
0: Now, what possibly in the world uh, took a guy like you to Knoxville?
1: Walls for lunch, dude.
0: Oh, oh, (laughs) oh. (laughs) I was having such a good day. I got up, you know, I, I read your books and they're great, and then you start in with that garbage.
1: Yeah, good old rocket job, my friend. Um, you know, my, my wife, who, uh, became my fiance, and then my wife in, in Knoxville, uh, she's a reporter, and, um, she got a job in Knoxville. And, uh, you know, we have been doing long distance for some time, and I was just sick of it. So I decided to go on down and look there. And I loved it. Southend is a beautiful place. Nashville's a really cool town. Um, had a lot of fun there.
0: Well, my my hatred of the athletic society, it, you know, it's not a bad town, sure. Um, yeah,
1: for sure. I but mean, listen. Y'all in Alabama need to have something and I guess you can have football.
0: <laughs> uh but y- you didn't go to school there, right? No, I did not. Okay. Um then I guess I, I guess we can yeah, we can continue. Uh-huh getting into oh well first of all um before i get right into comics uh tell me a little bit about your stand up and then uh, working uh for the um, um, late night with letterman
1: oh well you know um yeah i guess um it's all i started um, writing uh for myself um and i guess writing in general uh by doing stand up in college. And um, you know, I took it very seriously. And I still take stand up very seriously. Uh but uh you know, I uh I started doing that and I was at cast member of this place called the Lincoln Lodge in Chicago. Which is a great show, one of the best shows in the city, if not the be best. And um you know, I uh was doing that and I interned at like WGN and late night. And then, you know, when I got – and I was reading comics throughout all of this time, um, you know, uh, really, really getting into comics more and more and more and more and more and more because um, I had started reading in high school and uh, was really falling in love with everything about it. And uh, I got – senior year of college, uh, I got an internship at Marvel for the summer. So I used, uh, my Marvel editorial internship to, uh, kind of go to New York City and live there. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I started writing comics is in in New York City. That is where I started writing comics, I should say.
2: Um,
0: where did you go to school? I went to DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. Um, you said you were reading comics in uh, high school. What are some of the books that really stood out to you then?
1: Uh, the first comic I ever read in its full length and run was like sophomore year of high school, and it was the uh, Max Punisher series, and it was amazing. I loved it. It was by Garth Ennis, oh. and um, that was the first one I ever read. I, you know, I, I was a little late to the comic book game. Um, I had been reading a lot more like fantasy growing up and I honestly just didn't have any friends who were into comics, so I didn't really know how to get into it. Um, and then I, I made some friends who were into comics and and they introduced me to the world and, uh, some other stuff and, um, really, yeah, but yeah, that was my first run. Uh, and then I, I just read trade paperback after trade paperback of hit series after hit series. Uh, you know, uh Why the Last Man, that's when I, you know, fell in love with Brian K. Vaughn, who is I think my favorite author in comics right now. Um, or in general, uh, Why the Last Man Preacher. Uh I read, you know, all of the Green Lantern um core stuff at that time when it was coming out. I thought that was so cool. Um and else uh you know X-Men just with X-Men and then uh other stuff just a bunch of other indie books and stuff like that that I got into that I thought was super cool and you know. yeah
0: yeah Ennis uh I I really enjoy his stuff it's not for everybody but if it's for you man it's uh you're not going to find much like it so you had the Marvel internship, and what was the next step in comics after that for you?
1: Uh, the next step was, uh, you know, when I was at Marvel, uh, I met a buddy. His name's Donnie, and uh, we uh, we came up with a a comic together called Hunter Quaid, and um, you know, we wrote in Ashton, Made in Nashcan, I should say, was, you know, essentially a 22 page independent book. And, um, we came back next year to New York Con with it, black and white with a cover and a couple pinups and, you know, pitched it around looking to get, um, get a publisher interested in it. And, uh, luckily enough, we got, uh Dark Horse interested and uh, they they put it in something called Dark Horse Presents, which is a, a an anthology and uh, you know that was my first published credit and you know since then I've just been working my hardest uh, to get as many books out as I can and you know, keep my presence in the industry felt, you know, uh, since then, Donnie and I have returned working together on the paybacks, and then, you know, I've done The Doorman over at Heavy Metal and Space Tales uh, over at Stila, which I actually created with my wife, which was a lot of fun, and then um, I'm working on an uh, original graphic novel that will be published, but I can't say by who yet. Uh, and then uh, a couple other really exciting projects, too, that I can't give too much details on. So, you know, it's it's slowly but surely building, and it's, uh, it's exciting. I'm happy.
0: Well, certainly, if uh, if you ever have any news, uh, I, I, I'm willing to, to certainly talk about any of your new projects that you can't talk about. Well, um let's get talking about the darn books um so paybacks um
1: how would you
0: um kind of sum it up like the elevator kind of pitch for for paybacks
1: I mean the paybacks is basically about broke superheroes um who, you know, the idea is if you've ever wanted to be a hero and uh, you couldn't afford to be one, uh, what if you could take out a loan to become a hero? And what if you defaulted on the loan? Um, what happens to you then? Uh, who comes to get you? Uh, and that's the paybacks, a group of like C&D list superheroes who have defaulted on loans and now are trying to pay off the uh, their their debt by repossessing other broke heroes, and it's you know a real sort of just third act kind of story about these heroes who really fucked up. Yeah, it.
0: Um, I remember reading uh, the first one when it came out, and then um, I, I got a couple more that I ju- I just read had a lot of tones of kind of like the economic downturn and the recovery and just this kind of sense that like a lot of people are struggling in debt and there's really no way out of it. Like I I just read um, number two before we started here and that was, that was a real point that stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, you're not getting out of this. Uh, and it struck me that on the surface, It's a very funny, very kind of silly book, but right under that is some real heavy stuff.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's what we try to do, and then it gets heavier and heavier, I think, um, but we still try to keep that tone, you know, um, just because, like, uh, Grim and Gritty has its place, but, you know, I I mean, I'm in pretty bad death. You know, and I know Johnny is in pretty bad debt. And you know, um, I wake up every morning and I, I worry about it. But you know, I try to put a smile on and attack my day job and attack comics and attack comedy. And 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 you know, I'm trying to get out there and, and make a living and, and enjoy my life and my wife and my cats. And, you know, you have to you have to laugh about something, otherwise you just put a gun in your mouth.
0: <laughs> oh yeah S- student loans credit cards
1: that, that, you know some bad decision making in my early 20s you know I mean you live in Martin and learn, unfortunately some of those consequences follow you and uh, sometimes you know you're just not fortunate enough to come from privilege and you educate yourself, and you know you take out an arm and a leg to educate yourself, and then you know you're fucked for the next twenty years.
0: I I, I feel you, man. Um, the uh, The student loan people send me uh, an email every month, um, telling me like how much I'm I'm going to owe in a couple of years. I'm like, you guys, you guys can't be serious. Like,
1: there's there's no way I can make that payment. Uh, good luck with that. Um, going through the same thing with my my wife right now I mean I just have credit card debt and IRS debt um, and and hers is the other stuff and it's just uh, gosh you know
0: so it's it's kind of fun to explore you know these goofy superheroes going through the the same stuff I guess
1: yeah and you know the heroes are a lot of fun and you know uh, the idea is to, you
3: know, man, you know they—they they aren't
1: just punchlines. they they are people, and uh, uh, hopefully, that comes across in the book. Uh,
0: what's your favorite character in uh, Paybacks?
1: <laughs> I always really liked uh, Ski Squatch and uh reflectoid is actually a super old idea so is blood pouch um man i i don't know i like them all differently uh i i really i really don't know how to answer that question sure uh yeah I like them all. I guess. I I, I guess Ski Squatch just because the very. I guess nobody finds it as funny as I do. But like he's a he's a Sasquatch that ski that snowboards. He's named Ski Squatch, and I think that's really funny. And like nobody has really commented on that. Um, Nightmare. I really love Nightmare. Even though he only has a brief scene in the in the in the movie or the 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 book, uh, you know. Yeah, he
0: does. Um, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name now. The the night 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 night. Yeah, night, he night. Uh, he lo- he loves those puns, doesn't he? I guess yeah. you love those puns. Um, so when you pitched it at Dark Horse, um, I, I guess the idea that it was going to be uh, an ongoing series or. Or, or how was that originally
1: envisioned? Uh, we pitched it as a like an enclosed series, mm. like a like 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 a like a eight to twelve issue series. Uh, we ended at four, um, which is fine. You know, we got a great story in, and then you know, Dark Horse was really cool enough to let us take the property and take the story and finish it off elsewhere Um, you know they're just great you know they're just great people to work with and it's great Uh,
0: what was that process like of taking uh, your book from one publisher to another
1: Uh, in this case it was relatively easy honestly Uh, I mean Dark Horse is really great about it It's our property. You know, they're our friends. I still work with them. Uh, and, you know, they, uh, they, they, they they're still passionate about our property and they want to see it succeed as well. Uh, they just, you know, they just couldn't continue, uh, with it. And so they gave us our blessing and we made sure it was. Okay, by them, and they were like, "No, please go do it." And we had friends at heavy metal, and we were already doing books at heavy metal. Uh, so uh, we said, "Hey, you know, do you want to finish this out? We would love to finish out the series. You know, it's got a built-in audience, uh, or so we hope." And uh, they said, "Sure." And uh, here we are.
0: And it, it kind of makes sense for for Dark Horse to. Uh, sort of hope that you do well because you know if it does well a heavy metal people are going to look at hey I, you know i want to go back to the beginning of this story and add some more money for dark horse
1: yeah and, and that's hopefully the idea i mean i want to make uh you know I, I i hope to make them both money um and, and hope you know that every time they see the name the paybacks come up um they get they get a little happy because uh you know it was such a i guess people liked it or whatever
0: you know now where is uh the heavy metal run going to start is it basically going to be uh you know paybacks five or is there going to be some kind of like like a soft reboot or how's that going to work
1: It's a new number one, and I wouldn't call it a reboot. It's a a new story, but at the same time, it finishes out the old story. So for old readers, they get to finish what they started. And for new readers, it still makes sense. Um, So, best of both worlds there.
0: Gotcha. Um, Well, uh, is there
1: anything else you'd like to say about Payback's? You know, I mean it was just a passion project, you know, I mean uh Don and I put you know, everything into it. Um, especially when we were over at Dark Horse and, and again at Heavy Metal and you know. Uh I'm just really happy that it's coming out and that we gotta finish the story and you know, um it's I'm very proud of it. And we are very proud of it and Jeff Shaw was great to work with and D. Kunis uh, who is our colorist on the heavy metal stuff is an amazing person to work with and Lauren Affey who is our colorist on the Dark Horse stuff is a brilliant colorist as well and Taylor Esposito who is our letterer uh, now just an amazing letterer and great guy all around and Donnie's great and Jeff Shaw uh, the artist on all eight issues is I think, uh, one of the most talented creators in the business right now. And, uh, it's just been a privilege to, uh, to work on this book and tell the story and, you know, be able to finish it. And, uh, it's just been really cool to have such support in the industry to let us do our thing and keep doing it. Even though, uh, we had to, we had to take a short break and, you know, uh, I guess that's all I have to say is a bunch of babbling thank yous.
0: <laughs> Alright, uh, well, to move on to Doorman, um, how would you sum it up?
1: The Doorman is a lot of fun. Um, it's basically, you know, another sort of working class angle story. Uh if you have like a a Stargate or a Stargate on every planet working Stargate rules but what if the only way to get from planet to planet was uh, if you had a door guy like at a hotel opening the door for you and uh, our story is about the door guy or the doorman of Earth named Henry Clay Waters and he's been the doorman of Earth for like 40 years no one has gone into his No one visited his planet for for so long, and he's just pretty much wasted his life. And then on his very last day of the job, somebody with a gun walks through his door and tries to kill him. And it's a big whodunit farce, and uh, he's basically just trying to save the universe. Basically, it took him, you know, his entire—it took him to the end of his life to start living, and it's a big— redemption story about an old man trying to get a little bit of dignity back but you know it's told with this Douglas Adams type lens and it's just kind of a far out adventure with a lot of heart hopefully
0: yeah and and there again it's fun and light and silly and you know kind of wacky on the surface but then right under you've got these poor, duty-bound porters that have just basically been slaughtered so, you know, Richard Branson can build his, uh, you know, his virgin intergalactic.
1: Essentially, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, you know, I mean, I was inspired by the idea, and I asked Daniel people smith who's a, uh, just a very incredibly talented person to join me on it just because he's really funny, and I thought his voice would work really good with it. And uh, we created it together as a result. And then Kendall Good, his acting and his art is phenomenal. Those are his colors. And, um, you know, basically, you know, I, I was just walking around, and I love Art Deco, And, you know, I'm just kind of fascinated by people who have, like, old jobs, like doorman or uh, projectionist or bathroom attendant. And, like, uh, you know, there's such, like, there's such anachronistic-looking people in in our modern-day world. And, like, I just kind of wanted to write a story about that.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think it's uh, it's really interesting, and you know, paybacks is very much, you know, exploring you know superheroes and you know, it's not quite a parody, but it's in kind of like that that vein. Um, it's a loving
1: homage.
0: Yeah, and then you look at Doorman, and it's more it's more pop culture. Yeah, you know, like you can look at. Um, course, I would blank on his name now, but it's like, oh yeah, that's that's Richard Branson, um, and you know, yeah. oh that's uh, that's Angelina Jolie and uh, you know Brad Pitt. So I thought, you know, just to to compare those books side by side, it was very interesting to see superheroes and then pop culture generally uh, kind of yeah. uh, spoofed, homaged, for sure.
1: And there's definitely a lot of that, but they're all crazy, weird alien, so it's got hopefully a little bit of an evergreen effect to it. Yeah.
0: Um, well, what's what's really fun for you in writing uh, uh,
1: uh, The Doorman? Honestly, um, there's really no restrictions with it. Um, I was just really able to do whatever we wanted with this story. And, um, you know, it, it's totally unique that way. With the paybacks, we had to really fit this specific sort of set of rules and stuff like that that we created for ourselves um, to keep in the vein of what we wanted to accomplish and stuff like that. But with the doorman, it's like, I know where I want the story to go. Daniel does too, and so does Kendall. So, we're just gonna have, it's like, we're just gonna do whatever we want to get there. And, you know, no, and, and the benefit of working at Heavy Metal is that there's just, it's just, there's absolute freedom there, you know? Um, And so, no one is telling us no, and as a result, uh, we're just doing whatever we want. And that's, you know why you see us having a lot of fun I think in those pages it's just like okay well we're just gonna do this here and that's fine uh
0: where is the series um going from here uh, I guess you have uh the, the fourth coming out uh, as you said probably August what's uh what's the eventual uh kind of end point oh,
1: the fourth is the last oh okay um, yeah, the fourth is the last. This is a four issue series. Uh we're gonna leave it open ended and we would love to continue it. Um, but you know, just focusing on other stuff right now. But the fourth is the last uh of this particular arc. Um but we're gonna we're gonna leave the door open, so to speak, uh <laughs> for possible storylines in the future. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, is
0: there anything else uh, you got for me? Anything else uh, you'd like to add?
1: Anything else uh, you think we should talk about? Get Space Tales from Up, You can download that app as well, and that's a lot of fun. That story is about friendship um, and and uh, you know labeling people and what happens when you you try to label people and you don't let them be people on their own. And it's it's a really small story, told in a really wacky, crazy way about cats in space. And uh, but it's got this really uh like a really heart filled lesson about how to treat other people and what happens when you are busy defining people to let them be themselves and uh you know i sound super heavy and super after school especially but i guarantee you it's 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 incredibly insane uh it's a totally bonkers story and rashad beset did that art in and, and and heidi and i created it together and and that was cool and uh that was also a huge passion project And then the other stuff I've got coming out um, in the near future is a pretty big departure of what I've been doing, and it's just um, horror and scary and serious. Uh, So uh, you'll see that as it comes out, though.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: What do you think kind of draws you to the kind of sad clown genre of this Uh, light, silly surface, but then just, like I said, right underneath there's some serious stuff going on?
1: Um, Well, you know, I'm a new writer in the industry, and uh, people don't know me as well, and they don't trust my voice as well, uh, which I'm totally comfortable with. That's just how it goes. And um, I think it's easier to draw people in to a story that's fun and lighthearted, and then you can really hit them with some serious stuff once they get attached to it. Also, I—that's kind of a little bit of my—that's one of one part of my personality. Yeah. That's kind of who I am as a person. You know, I'm a, on the surface, I'm a, I'm a light, fun guy, I think, and then you know, just like everybody else, you know, you get to know me a little bit better and. I've got something to say just like you've got something to say or somebody else has something to say. And, uh, and that, and then also, you know, I love comedy. Um, You know, comedy will always be something I love and uh, it's always going to be a part of who I am. And, you know, sometimes I just want to write funny stuff with a lot of heart, you know, and also um, positivity is a, I'm a firm believer in positivity in, 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 in media, and uh, I think uh, there's something to be said for it, especially in a time uh, where not everyone is so positive. Well, you got
0: anything else for me?
1: Uh, no, just be on the lookout for everything else. We're good, man.
0: And we're back in 2019. Elliot Rahal. Can't say enough nice things about him. What a nice guy. And I look forward to reading whatever he's got coming next. But in this pilot episode of The Breezeway, coming up in the D Block, we say goodbye with a message for 2020 from 1964. Up next on the breezeway. It's really good! And it doesn't suck like traffic! This uh, is WMQComics.com! Follow WMQ Comics on Twitter! And you know, again, it doesn't suck like traffic! Welcome back to The Greaseway. In our final segment today, I want to give you the audio of probably the most famous political ad of all time, at least the most famous American political ad of all time. This is the audio from LBJ's 1964 Daisy ad. Take a listen.
3: 6
2: These are the stakes to make a world in which all of God's children can live are to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die.
1: Vote for President Johnson on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home.
0: That my friends is some dirty pool. Look, I can't speak well about the politics of 1964. I'm not an expert on the era. LBJ certainly had his faults. Goldwater was a loon. But the politics of that ad, uh, the the tactics of that ad are striking. Because again, the most famous American political ad and the forerunner of the modern negative ad in, in one ad that plays once on broadcast television Johnson is effectively able to portray Goldwater as a loon, as someone who would engage in nuclear war. And so such a just a striking ad, and, and the visuals are, are, are even more dramatic than than they sound here um, on audio. But the message there. at at the end, speaks to me now in December, 2019. I am not optimistic for 2020.
2: Uh,
0: I got some personal reasons that I certainly can't go into on the pilot episode of a podcast. But beyond that, we are certainly heading into what will be the strangest modern election. Because we have such an unknown quantity in the White House at the moment. Not to revisit my bullshit from B-Block. But it is a very unsettling time. And in these unsettling times, I think we have to rely on core principles. Ideas that represent who we are and what we strive to be. And so that's why the Daisy ad speaks to me. Now in December 2019, not because I think Donald John Trump is the harbinger of doom, although on a certain moral level, on a certain level of our political American life, perhaps he is, but that message, we must either love each other or we must die. I think is the message for 2020. Not that we will experience a physical death, not all of us anyway, although there will be people who will die from neglect next year as there are people who die from neglect now. But if we are to maintain who we aspire to be as individuals, if we are to have something to hold on to as our civic life and institutions are crumbling around us. We must love one another. We must cherish our differences. We must cherish each other. And if we can do that, we won't have everything, but we'll have something. And that's the note I'm going to leave you with. I hope you enjoyed this pilot episode of The Breezeway. Thank you to Elliot Rahal. Thank you to all of you fine listeners who stopped in for an hour of your time. I appreciate it. If you have thoughts, if you have feedback, if you want to contact me, look for me on Twitter, at Will Nevin. There you can pester me, annoy me, tweet me. And you can see po- uh, pictures of my pet possum, Pablo, who is currently the light of my life, as is my wife. So, until next time. Thanks and take it easy. I'll see you next time on The Breezeway.